You're listening to Keeping Up With The Knights, a podcast for the faculty and staff at Steele High School, allowing them to connect outside of the classroom. Teacher, coach, mentor, and speaker, Michael Herrera, a past district teacher of the year, will sit down with fellow teachers and bring their stories to life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy these stories as they unfold on this episode of Keeping Up With The Knights. All right, welcome back, Night Nation, to another episode of Keeping Up with the Knights. This is going to be my last and final episode for the school year, and I get the pleasure of interviewing Miss Jana Cervantes. Miss Jana Cervantes, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, which I know is crazy and hectic being the principal of Steel High School, but I'm very thankful. So thank you for doing this. Of course, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Of course. So at the beginning of every episode, I always start with what I call bell ringers, just simple five get to know you type questions to break the ice. You'll okay. shoot five back at me and then okay. we'll go from there. So question number one, I ask everybody. All right. If you could go back in time and high five yourself for something that you did, what would you go back in time and high five yourself for and why? Um, I would go back in time to my freshman year of high school when I decided not to try out for a cheerleader, but I decided to focus on sports. All right. High five for you. All yeah. right. Question number two. I think it's fitting. Um, and it's question number one on my bell ringers. What is your go-to food when you get stressed out? Yeah. Um, pizza. All right. So what's going on that pizza? Pepperonis, onions, jalapenos, and mushrooms. Oh my girl. So the only thing that you got there was the onions. I'm okay with it, but my go-to jalapenos, pepperoni, and mushroom. Mm-hmm. That's my go-to. So we might have to share a pizza sometime. Uh-huh. All right. Question number three, if you were not a teacher, if you had never gotten into education, what would have been that career path for you? Sports broadcasting. Okay. That's what my degree's in. Okay. Yeah. So you, so you end up, we're going to get to that later down in the podcast interview, but so you got your degree in, in broadcasting. So broadcast journalism, <laughs> radio, television, film. Did you ever dip your toes into it at all? Yeah. No. I mean, in college I did, I hosted my own sports show. Okay. Um, and since I played volleyball in college, I knew all the athletes. So I would have them on and I ran it at Friday nights at midnight. Check that out. Okay. So what was the name of the show? Do you remember? Uh, Yes. Uh, spotlight with number seven. I was number seven. Spotlight with number seven. Okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. This doesn't count as one of my five. What was your intro? Do you remember it? I don't No, okay. I mean, it was, it was different sporting, different stars at the time playing their sports. I was in it quite a bit uh, as a volleyball player, but uh, it was just different sports clips of the Bearcats. Cause I was at Sam Houston state. And then it just said spotlight with number seven and I ran it. That is awesome. Spotlight with number seven. All right. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. What's your go-to hobby? Oh, working out. Yeah. I, I love to work out. If I, I mean, that's definitely my, my hobby now. It was, I didn't make a living doing it, um, but now it's definitely my hobby. Okay. Very good. All right. Question number five. If you could be trained by anyone In any profession, so don't think physical fitness. You can go there if you want to, but if you could be trained by anyone in any profession, who would you want to train you? Oprah Winfrey. What? Easy. All right. Oprah, because I would would love to do a talk show 
Um, I think that um, obviously that's what I went to school for. And I would love to be trained by her. That's a, that's an awesome answer. All right. Well, those are my five shoot five back at me. Okay. All right. Uh, who's your favorite basketball player? Pistol Pete Maravich. Okay. When yeah, did you decide that? So I think it was like seventh grade. Um, obviously this is back during the blockbuster era, right? Where you used to drive to the blockbuster store and walk around for 15, 20 minutes and you'd pick your couple of VHS tapes. And, uh, I saw the basketball movie. I saw a little kid sitting on a ball and I'm like, that's the movie I want to watch. I knew nothing about pistol Pete Maravich and, um, great story, great movie. Um, and I just aspired ever since then to be like him. So I was the kid who carried the ball around school and spun the ball on my finger. And, um, it's, you know, it's a low budget film, but it was the story that stuck with me forever. And then of course I've always followed pistol Pete since then. So yeah, pistol Pete Maravich. Awesome. If you weren't coaching, what would you be doing? You mean coaching and teaching like Uh in education? Mm -hmm. Um, you know what? I'm going to go back to what I was always wanting to be. I wanted to be a team physician in the NBA. Yeah, that was my dream. I always wanted to be in the NBA as a doctor. Okay. Um, What is your favorite thing to do on the weekends? Other than being with the kids, which is an obvious answer for, I think, most parents. But favorite thing to do on the weekends, um, honestly, kind of like what you said, exercise. Mm -hmm. Going out for a long run and just being in in, in nature, you know, early in the morning, watching the deer kind of walking around and no one's awake yet. Are you from Texas originally? San Antonio, born and raised. San Antonio, born and raised. Yep. That's right. What high school did you go to? MacArthur. Very good. What year did you graduate? 1998. That's more than five, but I could keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are all about the same one. So I'll give you one more. You got one more bell ringer question. Um, so if you could aspire to be anything, anything you want to be, um, you know, it could be an education or not, what would it be? because I'm going back to kind of like the previous question with being a sports doctor right like Mm -hmm. an NBA physician but the career and lifestyle of the NBA right like the grind of I don't know that you know that that would be the most fitting but what would in 10 years where do you see yourself in 10 maybe you should maybe say like 15 or 20 um, okay, okay. I think I can, I think I can retire in like in 15 years. I think I'll be able, I'll be able to now, whether I do it or not, I don't know. Um, but okay. So that, that I'll answer that question. Cause that's a little bit easier. I see myself retired, but still working. And I see myself maybe like working on a golf course somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Like being the starter, you know, the guy that welcomes everybody on the course and I'm done by noon and then play my round of golf and go home. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So those are your five questions. I've given you my five. Let's dive into more of the meat of the podcast. And every once in a while, I'm going to ring a bell. And when I ring that bell, because we all know Mr. Vontez is wearing funny things or costumes on those days. I'm sure you've got stuff laying around your office. So you've got to put something on every time I ring the bell. So let's get this party started. Question number one, I know you, we all kind of know you, but just talk to us a little bit about your childhood. Where did you grow up? What was your younger life like? Um, I grew up in Seguin, Texas. Um, I was actually born in Carn City, but um, I moved to Seguin. I think I was three when my, my family moved to Seguin. My dad was a Vietnam vet. 
Um, I think the majority of my childhood changed when he died. Um, I was seven years old and he had a massive heart attack. Uh, he played football for the Navy and um, was a big man and had his fourth heart attack in 1980. And that's when I was seven and he passed away. And I think that probably defines, start, it kind of stopped the childhood and started the, yep. you know, a little bit because you grow up when things like that happen. Um, most of my childhood back then, uh, you could stay out till dark. And in Seguin, yep. the, uh, it would, the horn would sound at six o'clock and that's when it was time for me to go home. Um, I ran around with the neighborhood kids at a place called Knob Hill in Seguin. And there was a bunch of us that just went to the river and went to the golf course and went, played hide and go seek. We play, I played outside from the minute the sun came up till that six o'clock horn sounded. And then I ran home from wherever I was with shoes or without shoes, who cares? But that was my childhood. Um, pretty much, pretty much up through middle school. You know, it's crazy because that brings back some memories, too, of being a kid running around the neighborhood. You know, you don't I'm, I'm sure you see it a little bit, but it's not like when you and I grew up, because like when you said that you would run the neighborhood, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean across the street. No, that meant no, the, the other street down the block, like around the corner where mom couldn't yell loud enough to where you oh, could yeah. hear them. But Absolutely. you knew when you had to be home. Yes. Yeah, those were the good old days. Yeah. But my, my mom's voice resonated throughout the neighborhood and echoed off of everyone's roof. Yeah. And everyone knew when I had to get home mm-hmm. when you heard my mom yelling. All right. So all right. So elementary, middle school, high school, like what were some of the things that you participated in, um, whether clubs, organizations, sports, like talk to me a little bit about that. So my mom was a, high, was a counselor uh, in education. So kind of like my kids, you know, I was part of that world. Uh, in middle school, I was very, very involved. I was class president and I was um, NHS president and I was a cheerleader. I know that's hard for people to imagine, but I was a cheerleader and um, I was in sports. So I just was busy all the time in middle school. And then my freshman year, uh, I played, got pulled up to play varsity volleyball and varsity basketball. And my basket, it was time for tryouts. And my basketball coach said, please don't try out for cheerleader or harless, you know, cause I obviously by then I was becoming, I was getting a little bigger <laughs> and uh, said that sports would be my, my path through college. So um, in high school, I limited it to volleyball and basketball and some track, uh, but I really narrowed it down. I was still class president uh, my senior year um, and, and did that, but mainly sports. I, I played AAU, which was not AAU, it was junior Olympics. Okay. And you had to try, I had to go to Austin and try out with 1200 kids wow. to make one of the teams and then travel. And I got to travel. Um, I made the team in, in volleyball and basketball. And so I traveled around and, and played those. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I did. All right. Very good. Well, let's, let's try this out here. Oh. <laughs> oh, there it is. All right. Fantastic. All right. So you, you mentioned that sports played a, a part in your life. You did um, play in college. Talk to me a little bit about your experience, the good, the bad, the ugly, and anything in between. What was sports like for you after high school? So I had a, a basketball scholarship to LSU my senior year. My team was really strong in basketball, and we were good in volleyball as well. But I pretty much decided my path was basketball. Um, and then on February 14th of my senior year, 
Um, we lost a bi-district game to Churchill and um, by one point, and I fouled Andrea Williams and she went to the free throw line and beat us by one point. And, and mind you, we were ranked first in the state. And we had gone back, we had been to state my junior year. And I, when we lost, I put the basketball down and said I would never play again, which is so dramatic now that I'm thinking <laughs> about it. But I was pretty dramatic. And so I called my LSU coach and said, I'm sorry, I'm not coming to play basketball. And so my volleyball coach got on the phone. I didn't go to school for two weeks. I know that's terrible for me to say, but I didn't go to school for two weeks. I was devastated. I was just devastated that we lost. And um, my volleyball coach got on the horn and called Sam Houston State and said, somebody's going to take this girl because she needs to get out of Seguin, one, and uh, she needs to be playing some type of sport. And so Brenda Gray from Sam Houston State took me, and uh, I had a hard time my first two years because I came from being the star of every team I'd ever been on to not being the star um, and to being one of the shortest because I was short and definitely the heaviest. Um, and I was an outside hitter. And so it was hard. It was hard balancing that, balancing the, you know, the D1 sports and balancing, balancing the academics and being so competitive that, that I did anything I could to be better. And so I spent my first two years just, just digging in, trying to get my starting spot. Um, and I almost quit several times. And to be honest, she almost cut me my sophomore year. She almost cut me because I, um, I guess my attitude wasn't good. And so my junior year, we won the uh, conference championship and went to the NCAA tournament for the first time for Sam Houston State. And that was when I, I gained my All-American status. And um, my senior year was good as well. So it was a struggle at times to keep it all together. And you can't come home when you're D1. So I never got to come home and you can't work. So I never got to work. So it was just different, but, but it was good. I'm glad I did it. Well, I definitely see some, some similarities with uh, academics with, with uh, your son, Bo as well and overcoming adversity. And I see some parallels between you and, and me and, and actually your son, but we'll get there in just a second. I don't want to go there too quick. All right. So we went to college. When you went to college, did you automatically start studying broadcast? Yes. So you picked yeah, it, the, you chose it, and you stuck with it, it for yes. four years. Yeah, Dan Rather graduated from Sam Houston State. Really? I didn't know that. Uh -huh. And that's one of the reasons why I was like, I'm just going to go there if I'm not going to play sports. Of course, I ended up playing. But um, yeah, it, I, from the minute I got there, I had told my mom, because I loved being in front of a camera. Shocker. Really? Um, <laughs> and I loved talking and being the center of attention. And so... Um, I went straight there and I loved it. I, I was honored my freshman year as being the best on-air talent. I got the award for the best on-air talent my freshman year. Um, so I, I just loved it. And so I did that my entire career. I got a minor in business and a minor in English. I'm not sure how that happened, but um, I did. I graduated in three and a half years. I played my senior year and then I graduated that December and then they were, I still had another scholarship. So I started my master's at that time. Okay. All right. And then, so at what point did it kind of click or was there somebody that influenced you? What made you make the decision to get into education? Well, I think I'd always been fighting being a coach because everybody in my whole life said, there is no way you're not going to be a coach. You are too competitive to walk away from sports. 
And I, I fought it. No, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I graduated and my high school, my old high, my, my high school that I went to called me and said, Harless, that was my maiden name, come back and coach for us. And I was like, but I don't even have a teaching field. Like I didn't have a teaching certification. I didn't have anything. They were like, we don't care. I was like, what? So I went back to Seguin for two years and I taught typing and I coached volleyball and basketball for them. And I knew, and my mom said, once you do it, you're never going to stop. And I, (laughs) somehow moms are always right. I know they always are. So back then, so it's called typewriting. So was it on a keyboard or was it on a typewriter? It was on a typewriter. Oh my God. I'm so old. It was on a typewriter my first year. And then we started bringing in um, computers and I began doing keyboarding. Okay. Um, and I only taught that for two years because I only stayed at Seguin for two years because then I left to go be a head coach. So this has got to be, without putting a year to it, this is late 80s, early 90s? Uh, 94. 94. Okay. So it's interesting that you say that because that's when I started high school was okay. in 94. And... Um, I remember taking keyboarding class. It was not on a typewriter, but it was prior to that. And they had just gotten those new keyboards where the screen was about this big. Yeah. You could see like maybe six or seven letters and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's when I was taking that class. Matter of fact, I think uh, Miss Garcia was in that class. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's that. We go back to, uh, to MacArthur. All right. Hey, let's do this here while I, There we go. Got to make a change. Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> Might be my favorite. I can't wait for someone to take a peek inside your office right now. I know. All right. So um, you you graduated college. You I took did. a job at Seguin teaching keyboarding, coaching volleyball, coaching basketball. Um, just kind of let's go through the whole story here. So what happened next? Where'd you go? What stops did you take administration? Just kind of take us through the journey from then until now. So my, uh, I I was at Seguin for two years and I knew that I wanted to be a head coach because, you know, I thought I had more knowledge than anybody. So I applied and I became the head volleyball, head soccer coach at Roosevelt high school. Not sure how all that worked out, but I did. Um, In the meantime, I'd gotten married um, and I was at Roosevelt. And at that point, we began to start to have a, try to have a family. And I had a lot of issues um, getting pregnant. I had to do fertility drugs. And um, so I was really sick. Long story short, McCollum High School called me after two years at Roosevelt and wanted me to come be their athletic director as a female and a coach. So I stopped teaching at that point. So I left, I went to McCollum and I was there for, I was there for five years because that's when I had my first son Diego. And then the last year I was there, I had Bo. So I was the, I coached, I was the women's athletic director. Um, I loved it. I didn't teach any classes, um, but I did all the sporting events and all of that. And so I did that for five years. And then I had Bo, my second son, and decided I wanted to get out of coaching because I wanted to spend more time with my family. Uh-huh. 
So I left and Judson picked me up as an English teacher because I had a master's in English. And I was in the classroom for a year. And then I went to Wagner because they were opening Wagner. That's the first year Wagner opened. And I opened Wagner as a teacher. And by December, I was an assistant principal. And I there? don't even know how that happened. There? There. Okay. Yeah, they called me. Uh, the principal called me in and said, um, Jana, you've got your, uh, your principalship. And I said, I do. And he said, I need an assistant principal and I want you to do it. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I had to leave the classroom, which killed me to leave my kids. But I went up to be an assistant principal and I ran testing for all of Wagner High School. And that was an experience. And then um, I was going to return to Wagner and Smithson Valley Middle School. I live out in Bulverde, so that's that's far from yes. Wagner and McCullum. So, and I would drive all that way. And so a man named Link Fuller, who is probably my um, my biggest, most influential person after high school for me, um, he, I met him one day in the parking lot of Smithson Valley Middle School and I jumped in his Jeep and he said, I want you to come be my assistant principal. And so I went to Smithson Valley Middle School for three years and then New Braunfels, ISD, Link Fuller retired and New Braunfels ISD called me and said, we have a principal position for you at the elementary. I almost died. I had nothing. <laughs> I had done nothing with elementary. I was like, what? And they said, we want to bring you in. And in two years, we want you to open our new middle school, New Braunfels Middle School. So I got the opportunity to learn elementary at the same time, building, planning and organizing a brand new school. It was so much fun. I had a ball. I will tell you, I learned more as an elementary principal than I think I have. Just learning um, how to identify kids in need and just mm -hmm. really helping those babies. It was so much fun. We had so much fun. And then that's where I just started all the dress up stuff in case you're wondering. <laughs> all right. Um, so, oh, there you go. Yes. I started that with my elementary babies and oh my God, they loved it. And so I moved to the middle school two years later and I kept all the dress up stuff. And I was at New Braunfels Middle School for four years. And then somebody called me and said, hey, still high school is open. And I go, well, I'm going to put in my application just for fun because I'd never been a high school principal, but I've been a high school athletic director and coach. Right. And I don't know how, but three weeks later, I was sitting at still high school. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I remember thinking, how did this happen? Like, wow. And so really I've, I've used the same techniques that I used with elementary. I still use them at the high school and I just figured they're still kids. They're just bigger bodies. Yep. That's so it. That's, yep. that's, I've never stayed anywhere more than five years except still high school. This is my sixth year here. Well, there you go. You broke the trend. Mm -hmm. Now, when you were saying that, it kind of reminds me of, and I know most people on here, you know what I teach, health science. Mm -hmm. And it's, we always tell our students too, that if you can take care of the babies, you can take care of anybody. If you can Absolutely. take care of the elderly, you can take care of anybody because of, you know the whole life cycle and whatnot. But that is, that is so true. I'm sure you're able to bring everything, elementary school, middle school, high school, you know, and now you're back at high school, you know, your college experience, it all kind of just helps you and Sometimes we question where we're supposed to be, but we know where we're supposed to be, you know? Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about classroom. When you were a teacher, 
How did you define success in the classroom? Oh, if my kids, if they ended up one, loving the content, because I taught English. So I taught freshman English, which was Romeo and Juliet and all that. And then I taught um, senior honors English is what they called it because I had the master's in English and I taught, so I taught the Iliad and Odyssey and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I taught the two. One, could I make it relevant to them? And did they understand it? Because that stuff is hard. And you really have to love it. And so I love to see that. But two, did they, were they comfortable in my classroom? Um, did they feel like they could come to me if they needed something? Um, and then, were you that teacher? I, I was that teacher. Yeah, uh, my room was always full of kids. Um, and that's okay. That's the way I wanted it. Yep. Um, but I wanted to do all, the, all my own tutoring. I wanted to do all my own um, because, because they were my kids and I mm -hmm. took them personal. And so... Um, that's how I, how I looked at success, not, not testing, not testing scores more, although I had super high scores. Um, it was more on if the kids loved it and if they understood it. All right. Very good. Here we go. Oh. Okay. Let's see. Oh, all right. Oh, it's a party now. It's a party. And if it was Friday, that hat would be even more. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Maybe on the back patio on your at yeah. your house by the pool. Absolutely. I'm, I'm getting what you're putting down there. Okay. So how many years total in education right now? 27. 27 with six at the end of this year, right? Mm -hmm. Six mm -hmm. at the end of this year. Okay. All right. So going back to elementary, middle school, high school, let's maybe not go the college route, but let's stick within... Um, elementary and secondary education, who is a teacher that you will always remember as being that teacher and why? Um, I, I had several. So, so it's, it, I always talk about when Father's Day rolls around, right? So, so let me just say this. When Father's Day rolls around, it's always been a kind of a hard day for me, um, obviously, because my dad passed when I was seven. But I look back and I think about the people that have been placed in my life. So when I was six, I began theater arts. Shocker. I did um, summer theater for eight years. And there was a man named Mr. Fleming. And he taught theater. And he taught it at the high school. But he also taught the summer workshops. And so I was in all of his plays. Um, and when I got to high school, I was in his creative writing class. And I was in his English class. And I was in his theater class. I never got to do a lot of theater in high school because of sports. Um, but theater was my passion when I was younger. And so I would say him, but then, so he was a male figure in my life. And I just want to also add that when I got to steal my first year, I went to the one act play and he was there. Really? And he, I walked in and I was sitting in the back and he was on the microphone and he said, oh my gosh. Jana Hartless just walked in the door and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, so that was just really an amazing moment for me uh, to get to see him anyway. And then I went to high school and my basketball coach became kind of my father figure. And he was an English teacher, which is what I was. And he, he just became my dad. And so, and then I left there and Link Fuller stepped in. And so coach Wallace was my basketball coach. So when I think of father's day, I send those men because I've always been blessed to have somebody step in and go quit that here's what you need to do Harless, to be successful in life 
and of course I've had a great mom um, my whole life. But yeah, I, I've I've had several influential teachers in my life that have, and they've all been extracurricular, but not all sports. You know, mm-hmm. Fleming was English, but he was also theater, and Wallace was English, but he was also sports. So it's been a good mix. I always say that, and I wrote this to a student we actually have on campus who's going through some difficult times at the moment. I'll leave it at that. But I wrote the individual and I, and I said, you're only going to be as successful as you're going to be by the people that you surround yourself around. Mm-hmm. And, and for this particular student, surrounding themselves not around the right people. Right. And, it, and it's bringing that individual down. Um, but anyway, all right. So uh, let's move on to the next question here. So in your teaching career, not not professional administration, anything like that. In your teaching career, share a pivotal moment um, that will stick with you forever. Obviously, we want to leave the student's name out of it. But was there an impactful moment that you knew that you had on an individual or the individual had an impact on you? Um, so this is not during administration because I have a ton of them in administration. As a, as a coach and the English teacher, um, yeah, I had a kid who uh, was not really fluent in, in English, and uh, she struggled a lot, and, but she wanted to learn. She wanted to pass that test, and so uh, we worked together, and she actually took me for two classes because she talked them into letting me be her ESL teacher, even though I, I wasn't. But anyway, long story short, the moment that I got her results and, and went to tell her, nothing beats that. I, I just, I was... I mean, we were just both boohooing, but to see her accomplish that was amazing. Well, I'll tell you what, when you said that, it brought back a memory that I have of you running into our basketball gym. There, there, there's a lot of things that happen like that um, from you as, as our leader um, on this campus that definitely go noticed. Um, yeah. We're very appreciative of those things that you do. You're authentic. You're you. <laughs> You don't apologize for being you, um, but from afar and from a distance, those things are noticed. And the amount of emotion, and I'll just keep it real, authentic, authentic love for a student passing a test. We were in the middle of practice. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do. And when I'm you, so excited. When you flung that door open... I didn't know if there was something bad or something good. <laughs> and then you were crying. Yeah. And then you ran and you hugged this individual. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we're going to continue practice, right? Yeah, because crazy woman just walked in. Right. But you're the principal. And it's like, we're not telling you no, right? <laughs> but the bottom line is, is that, you know, for you to share that story of a kid passing a test years ago when you were a teacher is the same person and the same human being that you are today with your students, even though you're not, they're not your students. So that's the whole basketball team stopped and they cheered. Oh, absolutely. You remember? Oh yes. No, I trust me. I remember everything about that moment. And, and those, you know, for me, whether we actively participate in that group hug or not, and I'm just one individual on this campus, everybody recognizes you. Everyone recognizes what you stand for and, mm-hmm. and what you model and your behaviors and your actions and your words and your acts of kindness. You're authentically you, and, and it's definitely noticed and it's definitely appreciated. Okay. And 
whether people stay on this campus or they move on and they take another job somewhere else, whether they're administrators, whether they're coaches or whether they're teachers, you are the leaders that allow us to take a piece of steel with us. Awesome. Um, and I know certainly that I will be able to do that myself. Thank you. I will. I All right, here we go. We got a couple more here. Oh. I hope you have a couple of more. Oh, I do. I'm a, oh, I do. Hold on. This one's good. <laughs> All right. It's a little cold in here. <laughs> frozen. I'm a little frozen. My, my daughter might be able to maybe say the word Elsa. <laughs> All right. Um, so this is kind of a different question and I just, you know, you take it however you want. And I don't mean any disrespect to teachers mm -hmm. out there, mm -hmm. but from your position. Bell. What separates the best teachers from the least favored? Notice I didn't say dislike, just least favored. So what separates those teachers that kids like you, when you were a teacher mm -hmm. are found hanging out in their room mm -hmm. because you have an open door policy and the kids know that they can come to you for, for, um, confident conversation or just fellowship. Mm -hmm. Right. So what separates those teachers from the teachers that, that don't have those relationships? What is it about it? Uh, a positive outlook, right? People don't want to be around grumpy people or yep. people who complain all day long. Nobody wants that because that just brings it down. So you got to be happy and positive. Two, you got to be able to understand that sometimes content is not as important as the person. And that's hard to do because we do love our content. As, as teachers, we love it. I love English. I love sports. I love, we love our content, but it's more important. The kid is more important than the content. And third, I would say energy. Kids love to have energy in a classroom. They love to see people with energy. They would walk through walls for people with energy. And, and I, I think that's very important. So those are probably the top three things. Okay. All right. Yeah. There's, what's coming to mind right now is as you were saying that um, a student once said, and it wasn't a student here, um, how am I going to, how am I going to connect to you? No, I'm, I'm butchering this statement for a second. It's going to come to me. Basically, you want to connect before content. Right. Is essentially what the student said, mm -hmm. right? You have to be able to connect to your kids. And, I'll, and I've said this on this podcast before, and I always will say this story forever. Um, and as I'm looking at her desk, she sat there last year. It was maybe a week and a half into the school year, and the student genuinely looked at me. And, and said it in the middle of class. She was like, Coach Ray, when are we going to start learning in your class? Man, for the next probably 35 minutes, I loved the question because mm -hmm. that was real. Like that, this girl, first of all, her grades academically are like way up here. Right. But she was like, when are we going to learn? And I, and I was able to talk to her and the whole class. Your learning is going to begin when I learn who you are. Right. So we're going to do all these coloring assignments. We're going to get to know each other. We're going to share stories about our childhood. We're going to get to know each other first because for the rest of the year, you're going to learn. Mm -hmm. I've got to connect to you first before I can teach you. Right. I need to know who my audience is. I need to know what your struggles are. I need to know what brings you, you know, the light in each and every single day. But I was so glad she asked me that question because in the beginning of last school year, which the school year ended 
crazily, right? I mm-hmm. hope that there was one kid or multiple kids that remembered that conversation because at the end of the year, I was still able to connect to them through Zooms. Right. But you throw a Zoom at the beginning of the year. Right. Screens are turned off. There's no participation. But we know what last year was like. The cameras were turned on. Hey, Coach Herrera, good. You know, I mean, so I think that was a pivotal moment for me to be able to address her question, but it was to the whole class. You got to be able to connect before you content with kids. And I'm glad as an administrator, right? You say that. Yeah. Got to know the kid. Got to know the kid. And you got to love the kids. (laughs) You do. That helps. Yes, absolutely. All right. Um, so let's let's fast forward now. You're in administration. So I know you talked to us about how you got into it, but why? Actually, you didn't address it. When did you get your principalship? Like, when did you go to school to get that? And then kind of piggyback on that question. What made you actually like want to get out of teaching other than it being offered to you? Why? Why? Why leadership? Why principal? Yeah. Um, if, when I was coaching, if you'd ask said I was going to be an administrator, I would have laughed in your face because there was no way I wanted to be a stuffy administrator behind the desk, doesn't come talk to kids, blah, blah, blah. There's no way I was going to do that. And so I got my principalship um, while I was coaching at, no, no, no. I left coaching. I got out of coaching and went to Judson High School for a year and I got my principalship. I went to UTSA every Tuesday and Thursday night and my husband took care of the boys and I got my um, principalship. And then I got my administrating administration job at Smithson Valley with Lee Fuller. And he made me get my superintendency. I will tell you that. He, he said, I can see your future and you need to do this. And so I went ahead and went to AM Kingsville and got my superintendent degree. But while I was coaching at McCullum, I had had Bo, my second child, and I had a principal look me in the face never forget this, in January, it was January 8th, look me in the face and tell me, you can't be a good mom and a good coach. I hit a piece of paper and a red crayon and I wrote, I quit (laughs) and I handed it to him. I'll never forget it. I was young. I was 20. No, I was 30 because I just had both. So I was 30 and I wrote, I quit and I handed it to him and I walked out of the office And I called my mom first because that's my mom. And I said, mom, you're going to have to support me for the next four months. And she said, why? I said, I just quit my job. And she was like, you quit coaching? And I said, yes. And she said, why? And I said, because the world needs better administrators because that administrator sucks and I can do his job better. (laughs) And my mom did. She said, okay. And I called my husband and said, I'm on my way home. I quit my job. And he said, okay, what are you going to do next? And I said, well, I'm going to go be an administrator. And so that is how that started. That's when I quit. I went to Judson to be a teacher and I got my principalship because I had a bad principal as a, as a teacher. You know, and, and I, I mean, in the world of coaching, we always talk about too, like you can learn from what not to do. Amen. And, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Right. Yep. We, we learn whether it's teaching whether it's life, whether it's coaching, whatever, there's a value in learning what not to do. Yes. Knowing yes. how we want to make it better. Yes. And he would walk by and the kids would be like, oh my God, the principal. And he would walk into classrooms and everybody would tighten up. And he, I'm like, what, what, what did you get into this to scare kids? Is that what you're doing? Like, cause that's what you're doing, dude. And I, I, 
I just didn't understand that. And, and I didn't, I just didn't like the way it made kids, he made kids feel, he made them feel like he was, you know, I am, I am the almighty, I am the principal. And I, yeah, mm, no. And, and I just got this visual of now you as a principal and you walk down the hallway, you've got kids running to you, giving you a hug, mm-hmm. which and is the, the opposite, which is the yeah. opposite, right? Of what you experienced through that principle. So, yeah. all right. So I'm curious. Um, let's go back six years okay. when you got the job at Steel High School. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be here for 15 years. So I've been here with the first, I've been here with the second, and now I've been here with you. And every time we get a new principal, although in this situation for you, no one, I mean, I can't say no one. We didn't know who you were. No. But we see this vibrant, (laughs) upbeat, fun, energetic, and we're like, whoa. So my question to you is, and and of course, we love that, but first impressions last a a lifetime, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious. When you come into a new environment, a new school, you're going to be the principal. You're a leader. We have to follow your lead. What was your mindset? You know, you, you, you were um, pleasantly surprised to get the phone call, right? That, that you're now going to be the new principal at Steel High School, right? Other than some choice words that like, that you may have had, like, really? Like this is really happening? Yeah. When your mind switched to, I'm the principal. I get to go do this. I get to go give my everything to a high school, my culture, my beliefs, my attitude. I just want you to take me there um, because I want to know kind of like what your mindset was. The culture here, in my opinion, this is my opinion, because I mean, I think I can say that being here through a variety of things over 15 years. The culture was not bad, in my opinion. We, yeah, no. we enjoyed each other's company. Right. Um, we were within good company. We, you know what I'm saying? Like it was good. Things are completely different now with you here. And I mean that very good, like positively. I, I enjoy what you stand for. I enjoy the culture here. And it could have been different with someone else. Had they chosen someone else, it wasn't going to be what it is now. No, so I'm just curious. Let me, let me just wrap it up and say this. So what was your mindset coming into a situation where you were going to be taking over as a principal at Steel High School in terms of building that culture? Um, my biggest thing is, is modeling. So I, I, I always, I was scared to death, first of all, scared to freaking death because I didn't know what this was like. I'd been to Steel to watch some of my middle school kids perform, but I didn't know. But what I do know is that if you model how you treat kids, then other people join you. And so that's probably my biggest thing. And Link Fuller taught me one, Jana, people are either going to love you or hate you because there is no in between with you. <laughs> he, he told me that from the minute I met him and he said, and you're going to have to be okay with that. You're going to have to be okay with either being their hero or them hating you because you are true. And I said, okay, I can handle that. As I do that, hold on, did you hear that? Oh. And I'm doing this on purpose because I'm going to interrupt for a second. Oh, yeah. I want you to listen to what you just said. I know. No, I know. Okay. 
I appreciate right. that. Okay. Yes. And it's still hard for me to, at this time to accept that. But so when I got here, I remember looking at my husband and saying, I'm just going to be me. I can't be anything else. And if they don't like me, I'll just leave. I mean, that's basically because I couldn't come in here and be fake. I couldn't be that principal. And I will tell you my first meeting with the staff, some teacher wrote the, the superintendent a letter and said, this is not the right person for the job. I swear to you. Uh, and it was anonymous. Why? Because we had fun outside on the first day? Because we threw balloons at each other. Do you remember that? Oh, no, of course. It was and a blast. Coach Linhoff had freaking water balloons all over his turf. What was he going <laughs> to do? Tell me no. I mean, I started laughing when I think now that I think back to what we did, we played Red Rover. I got yeah. somebody hurt the first day of that I was on duty and he had to fill out a workman's comp and say, I was playing Red Rover. Okay, what? Who does that? So I figured, and, and like I said, the superintendent got an email that this is not the right person for the job, blah, blah, blah. But I figured if I just came in full force me, that either people would leave, right? And that's okay, because I don't want to be on my train, or they would accept me. And really, and then I would leave, because there's so many jobs out there in education, and there's so many people who would like me to be there. I figured, well, if, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I'll just go find another job. Mm -hmm. And so that's just kind of how I've lived my life as administrator. Because if not, you'll just, you'll really die of a heart attack. So there was a, you know, Coach Harvey, who's not here anymore, said to me last year, I think it was, um, be unapologetically you. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Because that's, don't, don't, don't fake it. Just be you. Mm -hmm. Some people will like it. Some people will not like it but doesn't mean you change. Keep. Well, you can't, if, when you try to be something you're not, it is so exhausting. Yep. It is so exhausting. And the, I think Dr. Gibson at the time was like, okay. And he accepted it. And Dr. Ely has been great with me. Um, you know, they just roll with it. I mean, the first time I dressed up, nobody in this district had done that. Oh yeah. And I just, I just did it. And I think they were like, and now there's more people doing it. There's more people doing field days. There's more people doing things, which is amazing. But I remember that first time I dressed up and I got a phone call from the superintendent and I was like, Hey, that's what I do. But I had told them in the interview that I do do that. And they yeah. had gone to New Braunfels and asked questions to the community about me. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. No, we, we definitely like our dose of Cervantes. <laughs> In moderation. That's what my husband says, in moderation. <laughs> Just like with everything, right? Yeah. All right. So as we wrap up, I have a, a few more questions. But COVID has been, as, I, I've, I've, as I've talked to my kids multiple times, COVID's COVID. Everyone's dealing with it. I don't care if you're a kid, if you're a custodian, if you're a teacher, you're a principal. Within our, in our lives at you know academics or whatever, everyone's dealing with it. But mm -hmm. what you choose to do with it is the difference mm -hmm. between potentially you and someone else. So here's my question. What has COVID brought out of you positively? Um, well, one, I've learned a little bit more technology than I, than I knew previously. Um, and two, I think I've been able to prioritize a little better. Um, because I don't know if you remember, but last year in May, like all the awards and everything that we had to do, 
that we didn't get to do. I drove to the kids' houses and I drove to our staff's houses that won those awards and I gave those awards out. That brought some awareness to me of where our kids and our staff come from. And I liked that. Um, COVID has also taught me to be a little bit more aware of, of how kids and adults react to things, to view their reaction. Because like you said, some kids want to run up and hug me and that's great. And I want to hug everybody. And a lot of people don't want to do that. So it's brought a little bit of awareness to me for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I said, it definitely has brought out my online learning because I never was a fan of it. And so I can see a little bit more now. Yeah, I, I am the kind of person I try to be as optimistic and positive as possible and try to take negative situations. And, and I'll say, I think COVID is a negative thing, but let's make the best of it. What? Mm -hmm. and, and that would be a question I would present to everybody on this campus, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what positive did you take out of, out of COVID? And we've dealt with it for a year and a half by the time the school year is over. Find the positive in the negative situations, bring something negative to a positive and how can we do that and spin it around so that we're better teachers, better educators. Right. All right. So we are going to wrap things up. Um, my last question is the same question I always ask everybody. Um, and I'm going to give you an opportunity, which I know as a principal, there is probably a plethora English term oh. of people that you would like to thank. Oh gosh. But I'm going to, and, and I know if, first of all, I don't know who in the heck listens to this podcast, but I don't care about that. It's more about the conversations that I get to have with people. So consider that, right? You don't know who's going to listen to this podcast, right? but I want to give you an opportunity to give thanks to an individual, one person. There's a lot of people that know that you appreciate them. I know that, right. but right. For, for this purpose of the conversation, who is somebody that on this campus Okay. So they have to be on this campus. Who would you like to give a shout out to for kind of having your back, being in your corner, being your supporter, being your go-to person, a person that you can lean on? Um, there's gotta be a, a knight in shining armor. Who is that person that you would like to give a shout out to? Um, I Why? have so many, but I can honestly tell you that mine would be Rubina Sanchez. Okay. Um, she is a counselor. She's the lead counselor, but she didn't know when I got here that I, she would have to counsel the principal because she is my personal counselor as well. But I will tell you when she, she was on the committee to hire me and um, I played against her in sports in high school and she hated me. <laughs> and so when, when I got, when she was on the committee, she couldn't quite place me. She was like, what, who is this girl? And then the very first day I'm on campus, she comes around the corner and she's like, I know who you are. You wore a headband in high school. And I said, Mm -hmm. She goes, I hated you. So it's funny how um, we have become teammates, but, but her knowledge of not only NCAA, because obviously she's really, but just her knowledge of, of the courses and the endorsements, she has taught me a lot um, about that because obviously, I mean, I came from the middle school and so I was able to do that, but not only that, she is my go-to. She talks common sense to me and that's hard to do because I, and very passionate about things. And sometimes she has to go, hold on. You know, she's the one who, as I'm picking up the phone and dialing it and I'm growling because I'm mad, she hangs up the phone and says, I need you to take 10 minutes before you make that phone call. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of people, but I think she would probably be my go-to. Well, awesome. And just listening to you answer that, you've actually said the same thing about Mr. Fuller, mm -hmm. a person that 
is able to tell you, Jana, mm-hmm. calm down. So it, you that's know. not easy to do. It's not easy to calm me down. <laughs> no, it it's takes, not. It takes a really special person to say, and for me to be like, oh, okay. So I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Well, you know what? I shout out to you, Ruby Sanchez, for being in her corner. And Mr. Vontez, I greatly appreciate it. You are the leader of this campus. Um, I truly, truly appreciate everything that you have done for me as a teacher. Um, it, it definitely goes noticed. And, and I'm grateful for the relationship that, that you allow. Um, I'm sure that there are some administrators on campuses that, that create barriers between them. Um, and you're not that person. You're an open door. You're an open book. You're an open mind. You're an open heart. Um, and I appreciate that as a teacher on this campus, let alone as a coach who had the honor and privilege of coaching your son for four years. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, it's taught me a lot. I tell you that. And and you've said it too, in this podcast too, that we, we learn from other people and, and I have certainly learned a lot about myself um, from coaching your son. So uh, another time, another place, another conversation. Um, but just from the bottom of my heart, thank you for everything. Thank you for taking time out of your day in a hectic day and a hectic couple of weeks for you. Um, I am truly honored to have this last episode of Keeping Up With The Night. So thank you, Mr. Vontez. Thank you for having me. You helped me remember why I'm here. That's right. Amen to that. Well, cheers. Kudos to you. And we got the last one. got to have it. Oh, all right. You got one more? Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, take care. Have a good day and be blessed. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Keeping Up with the Knights. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure you subscribe and click the notification button so you know when the next episode is released and then share it with your friends and colleagues. If you're so inclined to do so, would you please rate and review this podcast to help me grow our community of listeners? I hope there was something that you heard today that allowed you to connect outside the classroom. Now, more than ever, we need each other as a support system, and we need to continue to make this the best high school in the state of Texas. Thank you, Night Nation. Now, go be someone's champion today. Thank you.